Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey well 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 welcome back everybody uh to the show today i've got a, a guest here a friend of mine he's uh he's a golf buddy i met tony oh man what has it been tony four five six years maybe, maybe a little bit longer than maybe that. a little longer huh yeah. we play golf almost every week together every, every week. and uh <laughs> i think he's got a, a really interesting story seems like he's got i don't know his whole story even though we've been playing golf and and we're doing something really cool right now within the group and putting out these bios but um mm-hmm. And you haven't put yours out yet. No, do, but, do it last. But anyway, um, I, I think you guys will get a kick out of him. He's um, in a really cool industry having to do with music and promoting. Um, so that's always got to be a lot of fun. But I think we're going to hear his story of where he came from and, and how he's sitting. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad yeah. To be here. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. You know, we want to try to hopefully get some learning lessons out there to help some people. Because I just truly believe that there are parallel stories in every for everybody, right? I've got right. listeners all over the world at this point, and somebody will definitely resonate with your story. Okay. So I, I generally start the show with the first question, which is because we're talking about money, and I know sometimes money for some people is an uncomfortable conversation. Would you agree? I definitely agree. Right? And yeah. um, and, and, and throughout the show, I talk to people why it's most likely uncomfortable, because it's usually uh, you don't have money, you're uncomfortable talking about it, or if you do have money, you're uncomfortable talking about it, right? One way or the other, it's just uncomfortable when I'm trying to get people to talk about money, because that's how we can help each other, right? right? Like if you see somebody have success, you're like, hey, how'd you do that, right? And as long as they share their stories, it's not about the dollar amounts, what we do it's, it's, you know, how our dollar amounts grow or not grow. It's what we're actually doing. So the first question that I ask all, all the people that come on is how old were you when mom and dad sat you down and taught you about money? The interesting thing about it is, uh, I would have to say, uh, probably in my early years of high school. So like you're a freshman, so you're like 15, yeah. 14, 15, yeah. right in that area, right in, right in that area. They, they actually sat you down. And said, "Hey, Tony, you're 15 now, whatever." And because you, I, I believe that we all start using money around the ages of five to seven when mom and dad are giving us a dollar to go buy a burger or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. And we start understanding. We trade. We trade something, right? Mom and dad, mom give you a dollar. You're like, I can trade it. Right. Go to McDonald's and get a burger or whatever, right? right? So subconsciously through conversation, I figure out that we really start to understand money about five to seven. So if mom and dad sat you down around 15, mm-hmm. what did they actually teach you? Do you remember? Um, well, my story is a little interesting. Uh, it had, it, the conversation had to take place. Had to. Had to take place because uh, going into my sophomore year in high school, uh, I was about to go on tour with a major recording artist. Uh, and so, of course, you know, with coming playing music at that age, 
now you know there's a salary structure or there's a money structure that's going to be involved in that ah. for dms and all those things right and they're not they weren't going to be on the road with me like that right because of their professions so you know and then so whoever my handler was at that time and so forth we had to know what we were taking in what was going out how to maintain so what did they tell you do you remember the lessons like well, here's the thing. I don't remember the, the lessons verbatim, but what uh-huh. I do remember is <laughs> don't get stolen. Don't don't get taken. Okay. All right. Don't let anybody rip you off. Or don't or don't spend more than you have to spend or try to conserve as much as you can because you're going to be out there for a, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. So, so be frugal. Be very frugal. Yeah. Be frugal. Yeah. Okay. So if that's your first memory of money, being frugal and where you are today, has that carried, well, I can answer that question. That's carried through your life yeah, as a frugal person, yeah, right? Because we know, and I'm sure you know, people who are the opposite. Mm-hmm. They spend every dime they get. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you kind of wonder why you don't have money, right? Right. Um, any other money lessons that you started to learn? Because if you were basically thrusted into business mm-hmm. at such an early age, right? Right. I'm sure when the money started to flow in, mm-hmm. share with us like the excitement or the, you know, scared, what, what did money do to your mindset when it actually started to flow in? Cause you had the conversation before you actually made it, what mom and dad were trying to protect you, so to speak. Right. But then it started to flow in. What happened? Well, I can tell you, um, being from the inner city, Chicago. Okay. Okay. Uh, South side, uh, which is the only the best side, of course. Right. Um, money was, I won't say we struggled for everything that we had to, to obtain, uh, but when we had, when we when we took in lumps of money or uh, batches of money at times, mm-hmm. I mean, it, honestly speaking, it, it was a it was a it was a major gift. Okay. So that for us, uh, because we weren't we were we were although my mom was in a in a in a very formidable uh, profession and my dad as well, um, still it was a it was a it was a it was a major gift. So sometimes, you know, in, in our younger years, when you get lumps of money, what are the first thing kids, you know, that uh, in my age bracket at that time, what would, what would they want to do? Oh, they want to go buy the, the the newest, latest, greatest shoes, the yeah. clothing, um, you know, all of that, all the you know, the toys, whatever, the games and whatnot. Yeah, you. What well, the point is that you want to spend. I want to spend. Right. Yeah. Your mindset wasn't yeah. in the fact of yeah. I want to save. No. Or I want to invest. Those words probably like were so far from your mind. They were there, but they were they were they were they were they were weren't important. Yeah, they weren't important. Which yeah. which is which is why it's totally normal. That's how. And again, we're pretty similar in age. That our generation younger, we're talking the seventies. That's how it kind of was, right? Mm-hmm. And parents didn't really sit us down and talk to us about um, how to how to structure money correctly, meaning saving correctly, saving for a purpose, thinking about your future with money. Right. You got taught to be frugal so you didn't run out. Right. But if the lesson didn't go any further, you're like, well, you didn't really know what that meant. No, no. And it's, I mean? it's, it's really interesting that um, I mean, it, here's the thing, you know, in the south side of Chicago, you know, you had different uh, economical backgrounds. Right. That were So I was fortunate enough to be I went to a uh, public school, grammar school. But high school, I went to a Catholic school, so you know, you know, we had we had the advantages there. Uh, but the thing is, regardless of the fact, uh, it's just the lessons of our parent, our parents giving to us in regards to how to uh, structure the money, the financial factor 
It's a little bit different from, say, the suburban kid. Right. Uh, they may have they they may have had this a similar path to try to explain how things went, but still, we still had the inner city teachings. Well, I mean, it. at that age, right? Our peers have a lot to do with what we do all the way around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes you hear the the term keeping up with the Joneses. So if your friend got the latest, greatest shoe, you're like, dude, Bobby just got those greatest shoes. I got to go get those. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that was a mindset, right? We wanted to keep up, so to speak. Right. right? You wanted to fit in. You want to be the cool kid or whatever. Right. Um, at, At what point or how old do you think you were when you, when you realized, well, I'm not making money just to spend money. I should probably do things with it. Uh, probably in that, in that, a short period of time, like around 16. Okay. Because mind you, I'm, I'm, I'm playing music. I'm playing with professionals. I have to stay in competition because I, first of all, I'm already looked at being the young kid. He's not going to be good at what he does and so forth. So they, they were these drums. I'm not sure if you're familiar watching like old uh, TV shows like soul train or things like American bandstand or whatever. Right. They had these thing called Simmons drums. They were like an octagon shaped drum. There was an electronic drum that could plug into a similar a board like you have here. It's your right. board here. And those drums were $3,000. At that time. At that time. So, but that was the sound that people were listening to on the radio as the disco and all those things were going. So I was the first one, first person to get them in Chicago. So you had to save for them. And they were $3,000. So how long did it take you to save that $3,000? Uh, it, it took it, 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 well, roughly, what do you think? I would say maybe I, because of the, what I was doing, probably almost like nine months, maybe, so, but I had to get them so that I could stay relevant into what was happening for recording sessions and things of that nature. But think about, and I want the, the audience listening, think about what Tony had to do and what it did for him long-term, right? Meaning, so getting those drums was a goal. Yeah. And the goal had a purpose. Yeah. And the purpose was, I want specific sound. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it was the new sound coming out and you wanted to be the new relevant hip dude. Right. Or the group or whatever to, right. to have this sound out there. Right. And so you had to have the discipline. Right. If you can remember back when you knew you wanted them, you knew how much they cost mm-hmm. and then you knew how much money you were making. Did you casually save to the three thousand or were you aggressively saving to the three thousand? I it, it well. Fortunately, I, I mean, was, nine months is a chunk of time, chunk of time. But but with all the things that I still was tr- I wanted to do as a kid. Right. Right. I was somewhat aggressively saving. OK, because, because, you know, going into the studio, I mean, I would, you know, just not, not to name drop. But when I go into the studio and have to do like a Burger King commercial, right. or a McDonald's commercial, whatever the commercial, whatever I was doing at the time. Right. The musicians that were in Studio A and Studio B could be somebody like uh Maurice White and, and Earth, Wind, and Fire, because right. that's where things were happening. Right. Or, or, you know, the other famous groups, and they were in these various different rooms, but they had all these things. And in order for me to be able to participate, I had to, I wanted to be in the in place. So it's interesting, that story, because um, I often talk back about how we learn about money subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I've shared with the, the audience that we learn subconsciously just if mom and dad don't sit us down and teach us about money. We learn from mom and dad subconsciously, meaning by watching. Right. Right. And you learned um, a great gift of self-discipline, saving money for something specific at a real early age. Right. Had, has that really carried all the way through to your life today? No, no. You know, just like anybody else, you know, I've had my ups and downs with right. that, you know, uh, uh, Situations where I can be very proud of, but then situations I'm not very proud of. Right. Uh, uh, and that's because, again, without formally having 
the educational process. Right. The financial education process. Exactly. Um, you, you, you fly by the seat of your pants. So at what point, how old do you think you were again, reflecting back thinking, you know what, I got to take money more serious than I've been taking it about how old do you think you were when you just reflected on that, on that thought, because it happens for all of us at an age and I've got data showing approximately, but what was it for you? Do you think you're like, you know what? I got to take handling my money more serious. Probably, in the, of course, in the, probably in the early twenties, early twenties, early twenties. But you no, know, did I do that? I can't say I did that. You did that? Yeah. yeah. No. So uh, my research from all the comments, I've had tons and tons of conversations. Mm-hmm. It's around thirty for most people. So yeah. if you did it in your early twenties, you did it early, reflecting. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning like, man, well, one, it sounds to me like you worked harder than the average 15 to 17 year old anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At 15, 17, most kids are still in the streets playing with their, their buddies or whatever. Right. And they're not even doing their side jobs yet. You yeah. know what I mean? And you were actually there working like an adult. So, right. so I guess making that money by the time you're 22 or three reflecting like, man, I've made a eh, pretty good chunk of money in the last few years. What do I, what do I have to show for it? Yeah. And- that's the story. That's the story of uh, our lives, right? You know, right. These friends that I, you know, you know, not, not, not mind you, there were there were of course a, a a group of friends that did things the way things should have been done. Well, that's a, that brings up a good point, yeah. right? I, I always talk about we most of us can learn by example, right? Right, and so by you saying that. Do you think your mindset shift with money may have happened based on you seeing other people handling their money different? Uh, yeah, the good and the bad, the good and the bad, the good and the bad. Uh, you know, I have to, I have to commend those that whatever path they took to get to that point, I didn't get, I didn't ride that same path. So I have to commend them because they had a certain, uh, path that they took that I wish I would have known how to take. Great question. Right. That's why hence, I mean, we both know, everybody knows that, I don't know, through, through, through your, your high school years anyway, Mm. Very little financial education is taught in school. No. Probably more back when you and I were kids than today, especially. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but the problem is, is they want us to go to school, get good grades so we can go out and get a J-O-B to make money, right? Yeah. And then they don't really tell you what to do other than, you know, surface level, save your money, you know, get a 401k or whatever, right? Yeah. And so without learning the money game, it's no wonder in today, just today alone, sixty four percent of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, right? And yeah. the only reason they live, people live paycheck to paycheck is not because they don't make money; it's because they don't handle their money right. Correctly, you know what I mean. Correct. And 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 that's my goal and my mission to try to help people. Like we need to learn how to play the money game. Yeah, it's just a game. It's a game like any other game we've played, whether it's golf or any other sport or board game or whatever. We have to know the rules, and then we need to know the fundamentals of any game if we're going to be any good at it. Yeah. But if we're not taught the fundamentals of money, which is what's called financial literacy, just the basics, which is what I teach, right? Mm-hmm. How can we expect people to get ahead? Yeah. Right? You're, you're, it's like driving the car blindfolded. You don't even know where you're going. Yeah. Right? And so how can you get where you're going when you don't know how you're blindfolded? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so these conversations are about listening to your journey, your path, and how you've changed. So retrospective. What would today's Tony tell the 22 or 25 year old Tony if he could have talked to them about money? I would, I would, the, the today's Tony would say, uh, learn as much as you can take in as much information from a financial perspective that you can, uh, because 
your consequences can be great if you don't. Right. You know, the world is changing. Um, obviously, from, you know, from you and I from being in, uh, in high school up until now, uh, just the way things move, uh, how things are going into crypto and things that, you know, those are, those, right. are, those are other conversations that are, you know, that not the, the today's youth can relate to more so than we can relate to. Right. We right. have, we had, it's a learned path for us. Right. For them, it's a second nature. Right. But I would tell the younger Tony to, uh, if there are ways to, to, to educate yourself and take classes at that time, don't pass those up. Like if there's a curriculum you had to decide on, like in, you know, in your, in your college or right. your high school, take those classes, right? Be dive into those classes, learn that information so that when, so 10 years from that point, cause you can't, you know, like, you know, you tell your kid, you know, I told you so, but you know, but, but they don't listen to you because you're the parent. They don't, they, but then when it happens, it, 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 now they say, I should have done it that way. Right. Well, well, 20, 2020 hindsight, right? 20 Monday morning quarterback. Period. If you can take financial classes, if you can, if you can take financial literacy, literacy classes, take those classes so that you are able to now pass that information on to your, you know, your, your children and to their grandchildren and so forth. Well said. And so you guys that are listening out there, one, I want to applaud you for even listening, because if you're listening to Money Conversations with KJ and you're hearing these stories, you're being proactive about learning. Yeah. Right. So kudos to you guys out there that are listening, because mm-hmm. I have listeners everywhere and I have regular listeners that they want to learn. Right. Right. And that the, the issue is that most people don't even realize that they need to learn Yeah. because they're in habit mode. Right. Yeah. They're in mindset mode. Right. And that's part of the one my course teaches. Right. I start off with mindset and st- until we start to learn how to think and act different with our time and our money, then you're going to be the statistic of in today's world. Sixty four percent working paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And that doesn't mean just so people understand, uh, oh, that's only the people that don't make enough money that live paycheck to paycheck because of the sixty four percent, twenty five percent of those people mm-hmm. make up to two hundred fifty thousand a year. So that's a lot of money. Yeah. So there's people out there making 150 to 250,000 a year, which is a really nice living, right. and they're living paycheck to paycheck, which means yeah. what? It means they're living beyond their means. They beyond the means. They're just buying bigger houses, fancier cars, more vacations and not actually putting their money to work. What's that term on credit debt to income ratio? Debt to income ratio is really bad. Yeah. So let's jump into even though that was like the the mid late 70s when you were, you know, thrusted in there when do you remember someone explaining to you or you got your first credit card? It, 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 well, here's the, well, that, that's, that's a gift and a curse factor for me. Okay. My first credit card came, I think when most of uh, people that went to school, college, they got it in college. Right. And, and I was one of the, I was one of the kids that took the credit card and abused it <laughs> because you know, you had this credit limit right. and you want to go buy certain things to mind you. I was in between the, the touring factor. It wasn't year round. It was right. like, you know, I still had to go to school. I still had, it was summertime and those type of things. So of course, in between the time you have these, you know, you can fill out the applications for these credit cards and they come like they came so easily. Yep. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, that three thousand because they know they weren't super big credit cards, right? Twenty five hundred, yeah, two three thousand bucks. Yeah, they were maxed out Quick. quickly, right? Right, and quickly. because no one ever sat people down to right. to explain the credit card game and why you should and shouldn't use them, right? I think it was the mindset for college kids, like I just got free money, yeah, right, and it's the furthest thing from free money, yeah. So did you get caught in the trap like ninety percent of other 
you know, where you, you racked them up, couldn't pay them. Now your credit score, you know, hit and went in the tank and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Um, how, how do you perceive them today? What are your recommendations? And do you even use them today? That's, that's, that's a, that's a two-sided question. Okay. It's a double-edged sword because um, to have them in with your credit, shows that there's some, there could be stability there. To have them and have most of the balance taken used on the credit card, it goes against your debt to income ratio. Um, to have them to, for, for various different situations, for travel, for other things that you may wanna to try to acquire, they're almost a necessity. But, but, but the other side of it, once you have them and you use them, it, you know, the, the, I guess the biggest thing is to be able to, to be diligent on making sure you pay the bill on time. So would you classify, I hear the term all the time, credit cards are bad. What do you feel about that term? For me, it's going to probably always be on the good side because, you know, again, the come up, you know, you're never going to lose that. We, we, we always want to have that. You always want to have that, uh, that push or that, that, that help if you happen to need it. Okay. So. I want people to understand. They probably heard me say before. I mean, when people use that phrase, credit cards are bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? A credit card is a piece of plastic. Okay. Mm -hmm. How you use that credit card is different, which makes you either responsible or irresponsible. Yeah. And if you're irresponsible, it's because no one ever taught you how and why you should use your credit card. Right. So I'll give them the quick lesson and then we'll go to the next question. Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to understand, like Tony says, depending, um, you've heard of like Dave Ramsey. You know mm -hmm. who he is, right? Right. Or Robert Kiyosaki or Susie Orman. These are all the gurus that everybody knows about uh, money. And if you're a Dave Ramsey follower, he's 100%. Cut them up. Don't use them. Get rid of them. They're, gonna, they're nothing but trouble. Right. You listen to a Robert Kiyosaki. Um, he's like, I love them. Use them. I leverage them. Right? Mm. And Susie Orman just says, use them responsibly. Right? right. She's not a fan, but she's using responsibly. I'm in the middle of of those guys, right? Mm. Um, it some it seems through the through the conversations that I've had that we have to go through the bad to get to the good. Meaning, probably what you did and most, mm. right? And I was, and I'm a victim. I don't say a victim. I'm I'm in that same boat mm. where same thing. Racked them up, got in debt. Now we have to pay it off, which makes our life uncomfortable for a, a period of time, right? You got to tighten your belt and get these things paid off. I'm also, but I'm an advocate of them, especially in today's world. And this is 2023 because of fraud, right? Mm. We are paying with things out there in the world with cash, mm -hmm. our debit card, or a credit card. Right. Credit card is OPM, other people's money. Yeah. If, in fact, you lose your wallet, you get mugged, whatever, and they, they steal your credit cards and go rack them up, that ain't your money. Right. The credit card companies are insured for that stuff. They take big losses annually on that stuff, but they're insured for that stuff. If you get lose your wallet and you have just only cash and a debit card, your world of hurt because it's gone. It ain't coming back. No. Right. Whether you had 20 bucks or 2000 bucks in your pocket, whatever the number is and and your debit card got wiped out. The it's most of the time it's rarely a hundred percent received back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe 50 to 70% of that money will come back in your account, but it could take 30 to 60 to 90 days. Right. And if you're the type of person that's living paycheck to paycheck, right. what did that just do to your life? Oh, you just, you just turn it upside down. Upside down. So I recommend like to my kids, I'm like, you pay everything with your credit cards and you pay your credit cards every time you get your paycheck. Not once a month because 
stuff will always happen and you'll be like, oh, I couldn't quite pay it off. I'll just pay 50% this time. And next thing you know, months go by and then you're in credit card debt. Right. So I teach my kids the money you're going to spend anyway, the, the, the essentials, gas, food, um, anything that you're just spending your money on that normally you put cash or a debit card, mm-hmm. use your credit card. But as soon as you get paid, pay that sucker off. And that's how we build credit also. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, how do you feel? How did, or when did you get serious about your credit score? When, when did that whole credit game come into play? Like I need, I, I need to make sure my credit's good. How old do you think you were when that happened? Oh, in the twenties, in the twenties. Yeah. So did you covet the credit score or didn't matter to you or, uh, I was, I was, I was one of the ones that did not covet it. Okay. I, and, and I think that a lot of that again has to do with the teaching factor, right? You know, if, if uh, now mind you, it came up in conversation, it came up around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you always, always the one that jumps off the, off the, off the ship, right? When you shouldn't be jumping off the ship at the time. And what I mean by that is the fact that you hear it, but you didn't take heed to it. Yeah. So I always say, you hear me, but you're not listening. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You hear me, but you're exactly. not listening. Exactly. Um, which is a huge difference. That's a whole other lesson that I love to teach. Um, yeah. So since you got plunged into work early, talk to me about um, at what age, and I don't know if you did, but if you did, at what age did you get a mentor? Mm. Uh, mentor. Uh, uh, whether, it, whether it was within the music business or life or any type of mentor. Mentor, I had a mentor early in age from from the music business. Okay, uh, because of course you know me coming into the music business uh, at a young age. You know, there's always an older guy that's trying to tell you, "Look, young buck, you need to do it this way." Right. Or this is what you shouldn't do it this way. So from a music perspective, uh, it came it came early. From a financial perspective, eh, not so much. So that mentor who was just only mentoring you within the industry itself mm-hmm. didn't give you any life mentoring lessons, money mentoring lessons. Just he stuck primarily to the industry that you're in. It was mostly in the industry that I was in. Uh, if they, if they, if the mentoring structure came at all, they would say, it, you don't need to buy that or you don't need to get this right now or something like that. It was not, it wasn't in depth where they sat, you know, we're looking at pen and paper. We're looking at book, uh, book reports or or any or any kind of st- uh, statistics that will show us what we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing in that in investment right realm or in in saving or financial realm. It was more it, it was it was the layman's way of saying don't spend don't don't, don't buy that or okay. don't do that. It wasn't the educational process. So have you found yourself either intentional mentoring or non intentional mentoring to any youth? Oh yeah, and what type of mentoring do you do for them? Uh, I mean, it, 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 how, how about this? It's a uh, it's a elevated way of what that person did to me, but I would but I'd be more specific because because of you know the educational process as I got older is it, it, it's it's a little bit more fi- finite. Okay, right? uh, it was not the street version like look, don't buy this, don't buy that. But if it's a situation where I see something or I know something and I'm able to pass the information on to someone. Uh, whether I took the advice of it or not, but if I, if I have the information I can pass on to someone and that I, that I think there's a valid or relevant information, that's how I potentially would do it. So intentional, did someone come, has someone come to you and said, Hey, Tone, um, man, I think you're a great guy. I, 
I would like to be, you know, would you mind mentoring me a bit about the industry or life or anything? Did someone come to you directly or how did you come around? Uh, yeah, a couple of, a couple of, a couple of uh, young cats have come to me uh, from, from never, it's really interesting. Never typically from a financial perspective. It's right. always more so an industry perspective. Right. Because, because, you know, because the industry perspective, the, the, the younger kids, that are not necessarily fine tuned with finances. They're 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 involved or intrigued with the industry. Okay, and so the, so that's what that part of it is where they're intrigued. The industry portion of it. Well, the reason I ask is, yeah, there's a lot of people out there in whatever industry, and they want to learn more, and they'll go find an individual. Mm-hmm that they want to learn from and they can ask, you know, Hey, will you mentor me in this? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when we become a mentor by choice or not by choice, because I don't know if you can remember the first time someone asked you and you probably got a little thrown back, like, Holy mackerel, someone wants to learn from me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did it catch you off guard? And, and then you kind of take it serious. Like, man, the things I could say to this individual could be life changing. Yeah either direction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I always advocate for people out there. Yes. Get your mentors in what your industry, whatever you're doing, but also get a mentor in life slash your money. Because again, we know that for 99% of us, mom and dad didn't set us down and teach us about money. We didn't take courses at school about money. Right. Therefore, if you're serious about your profession, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. and I always say making money is the easy part in life because we get excited about making money in whatever industry. Right. And that's, and and that's fun. And we've heard that make a living doing something you love to do. Right. And then it's not work. Right. But that's only half the equation. Right. I have to teach people our job. Really. When you get to be our age, right. Mm -hmm. You're like, if the sooner that we can get people to learn to make money, make money, Mm -hmm. that's the name of the game. Yeah. Right. Making the money is the easy part. Now taking that money and making that money make money because you and I and everybody, we can only work so much. Right. There's 24 hours in a day and there are workaholics that'll work 12, 14, 16 or hours in a day. That's by choice. Most people only want to work at eight. Right. right? But money works 24, seven, three, six, five. Yeah. Right. And not always in an upward motion, downward motion, but on averages, you know, if you put your money in, in the right vehicles, you're going to grow money. Yeah. Um, so we don't ever have to be mm, without. Yeah. Right. Can you remember times in your life when you were broke? Yeah. Like I, I'm struggling to pay the light bill the next week and it's due. Yes. Right. And that's a horrible feeling because horrible. it's, it's, it's in your gut. You're like, crap, can't pay the rent or the light bill or whatever that bill is. It's due Friday. I don't get paid till or it's due Wednesday. I don't get paid till Friday. What am I going to do? And then you got to go borrow money and just do the things that you got to do to make things work. But right. I'm trying to help people not ever get to that point. Yeah. Right. I explained that to my youngest daughter when she was 15. I go, I don't ever want you to experience that feeling because it's not just being broke. It's an actual physical feeling. And some people have high anxiety about it. Oh yeah. Right. You just yeah. really freak out. Yeah. And the best way not to put yourself in that position is by learning about money. Yeah. Would you agree? I totally agree. Um, would you classify yourself today as a saver or a spender? A little bit of both. Well, which one's predominant? 
We all do both, but yeah. which which one? You know, some people again, you're frugal, but frugal doesn't necessarily mean you save a lot of your money. It just means you're not, you know, wasting money. Um, I think you know what spending on what that's the, that's the key factor. It's not a question to you, but I'm just saying that's that's the question. Spending on what, right? Uh, so yeah. so obviously we all have our necessities: food, shelter, yeah. clothing, yeah. right? And spenders spend money just to spend. There are right. spendaholics, shopaholics. Yeah, we know this, right? Yeah. Um, both sides, male and female, just right. just can't wait to get make money and get to the store. I got to shop. Yeah, right. The, um, it's no that disease is no different than alcoholism. The spending of money for me right now is more geared toward uh, necessity. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, recently, you know, I've, I've, uh, this, you know, from some health scenarios. I had to get some things under control. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of changed my lifestyle. So in order to change the lifestyle, you have to, you have to participate in, you know, all the vegetables and all the things and all the, the equipment that goes with that and right. trying to keep, maintain their health so that you can still spend money later on. <laughs> so, so money's being spent all the time with that. Right. Uh, money is being spent on what we like to do for our leisure every weekend. Right. We know those numbers. Right. You know, so, you, so that's a necessary evil. Because we're back in, you know, we're not we're not basketball players. We're not young kid. We, we golf. It's, right. It, it it gives us a sense of whatever that sense is. So that's a, that's an expense. That's what I spend. You know, a boys' trip. That's what we spend. Uh, but frivolous frivolous spending, uh, I, I, no, not even close. Right. Not anymore. I, it's more of the necessity factor, and what's going to make my latter years uh, comfortable. Okay. Uh, I'm not the guy that the midlife crisis need to go out and get the Corvette type car type <laughs> of guy, you know, none of that. But I will tell you when it comes to the, my, my health and eating, right. that's one thing. And then of course the equipment that we use to play what we play. Right. Okay. So I'm guilty. We'll spend our dollars there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, you know, early you had set that goal to buy that drum set, mm-hmm. right? Because that it was going to do something for you. Right. Um, I'm huge on goals. Um, and making sure that people know the difference between a goal and a dream, right? Right. And how are you, because to me, I would think, but we'll find out, setting that first, that was a big goal in your life. Yeah. That was the largest at that point in time in your life, that expense, $3,000 for that drum set. Mm-hmm. That's a big goal. You did it in the amount of time you did it. Did that lesson resonate with you that you've you've done that through your whole life? Like you've, you'll set a goal on something. And whatever it is, do you time bound it or, or, or do you not set goals anymore? I set, I set goals. Uh, do I accomplish them all, all the time? No, but the point is to try to set them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm, I'm the guy, you remember, what do you remember the Franklin planners? Yes. Okay. So I was a Franklin planner guy. Okay. Uh, and, and people around me at that time were Franklin planner people. So that, of course you, it forced you to create structure there. So real quick, so people under people that are under forty years old <laughs> know what a Franklin planner is. We didn't have the internet and the iPads and whatnot back then, and right. so we look, today what we call it old school. We wrote everything down, right? And the Franklin planner was like a notebook that was calendared out basically right. day by day, and we would fill everything out. And in today's world, people use it to, using technology, same basic thing, but it's digital, right? Digital now. So yeah. just so people understand when he calls it that, right? What that is. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so how long did you keep a, those? They were real popular. They, they were almost like a fad for a while. Yeah, right? it, like it, like you had to have one, or yeah. or you were a dude who didn't know. Where I was, was a guy that had one when everybody else had one. Okay, and I had it. And I rode the wave of it, just like the Skytail or anything yeah. else. I rode the wave of it. I I was I was the dummy now in that 
money thing. You remember when they, uh, they the phones, I mean, the uh, video recorder was the front load. Yep. And before that, it was the top load. Yep. And they used to cost 800 bucks. Yeah. I was a dummy that bought the one for 800 bucks. Uh, okay. And then next year, the, one, the front load came out for 200 bucks. Okay. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. So that just goes to show you. Right. It, it, I spent then on things that I didn't necessarily need because it was the thing. And then all of a sudden next year, it, it just it just hit me in the face because now it's $600 cheaper and it's, a, and it's the newest thing out. Well, I yeah. mean, a lot of folks want, I mean, you know, every time the, the new iPhone comes out, there's a line down the street to buy the darn thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's the same, and it's the same yeah, phone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, the question with goals is writing them down. It's critical. It's, it's Harvard's done a study that if we don't write our goals down, mm-hmm. The people who do write the goals down mm-hmm. earn 10 times more money just by, because they write them. Because we right. all think about our goals. Right. And our goal is X, Y, Z, and it's dollar X, and I think I can get there. But you just you try to keep it in your head, yeah. right? And the fact of the matter is it's proven that the people who actually write them down and the people who can write their goals down daily, mm-hmm. right, will earn 10 times more money. Yeah. That's, all, that's huge. That's huge. Right? Yeah. And so I, I – Really advocate for people to, if you structured your life, because whatever people do for a living and you go to work, there's processes and procedures, mm-hmm. right? If you treated your life the same way, right? process and procedures with goals and writing them down, that's all that is, mm-hmm. you would be surprised how much your life will change. Yeah. Because you're living life for a purpose and not, I like to call it freewheeling, just like living off the seat of your pants kind writing of Writing it down is the key to success. Yes. You must write them down, guys. Yeah. You must. Yeah. At what age do you did you start thinking about retirement? When you're like, you know what, I, I, I got to start thinking more serious. I'm getting to age whatever. What, what age do you think you started thinking about that? I think from an ego perspective, I don't, I don't think about retirement, right? But I have to. I mean, and, 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 and probably I would say in that area of 50 probably. Okay. And, but, but, and the reason I say that because anything that's dealing, like I, I don't know if that's a crisis or not, but I don't want to look at it from the standpoint of getting old. So let me ask you, right? I asked this question, like I'll be doing a workshop in about a month. Mm-hmm. And I always ask the question to the crowd. What age is retirement? Mm. I, uh, being around my, my, my golf buddies, it's, it's the age that you make it. Okay. Uh, one of our buddies uh, worked 30 years in the industry and was able to retire. He and his wife were able to retire uh, about 10 years ago. And he's 65 now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, some guys are still working in our age, you know, but so, so, so it's really when you. So I'm going to let you off the hook. Okay. Because it's, it's a trick question. Yeah, it really is. Well, here's the reason why, right? We have all been programmed and this has been happening for almost a hundred years. We've all been programmed that retirement is an age mm. when in fact, retirement is not an age. Okay. Mm. Uh, how many people do you know who said, I retired and now I'm working over here? Oh. Meaning they retired from over here and now they went to go work over there. But they used the word retired because they put X amount of years in somewhere, wherever. Right? right. And they like to throw that term around. And I really, really dislike the term retirement because it seems to be an end. Yeah. It, it, it depicts it end. You know what's funny, Kevin? Right. What's funny is that most of our friends, are they've retired, but they're somewhere else. Right. So- I don't, don't, I don't think people should strive to retire. Mm-hmm. Like I have to work 40 years right. and then retire. Yeah. Like uh, to me, that's the wrong goal. 
Right. right? The goal is to reach financial financial independence, right? Mm. And so I teach that. And what does that mean, right? If I tell you, you know, when you're financially independent, that means when your money makes enough money to support your lifestyle. Mm. We're all different. This is not a one size fits all. Right. Right. There's people out there. The guy you just discussed, uh, described a friend of ours. He lives on his pension. He lives comfortable. Is he a millionaire? No. Does he strive to be a millionaire? No. But is he living a comfortable lifestyle for him? Right. Yes, he is. Right. So right. there's people out there that can totally live on two or 3000 a month and be totally happy. Right. And there's other people out there. And you and I both know these kind of folks. I need 25, 30 grand a month. I want the mansion. I want the new cars. Right. I want the vacations. Right. Until my money makes enough money to support that, I got to keep working. Right. right. So we're all different and there is no right or wrong answer when, when I describe that. And so when I ask that people that question, it is a trick question. It's a mindset question. Right. It's like, we shouldn't think that way. Right. If you started to think early in life, when you started to put money to work, that my objective is to my money to make enough money to support my lifestyle, that's when you win. Yeah. That's when you truly win. Um, talk about one of the big problems out there across the world is debt, mm-hmm. right? What are your feelings on it? Debt is the devil. <laughs> can be. It can be. Yeah. And you know, it, it, and I think it's never a positive connotation with it. So there's two sides to that. Mm-hmm. Right. If I listen to a Dave Ramsey and he's a spiritual guy, follows the Bible, he's that's what the Bible says, right? Mm-hmm. Do not be in debt under any any man. Right. right. If I talk to and I listen to a Robert Kiyosaki, he's one eighty of the spectrum. That man tells you you get in as much debt as you can. Now, I like to describe to people there are two kinds of debt good debt, bad debt. Dave Ramsey's going to tell you there's no such thing as good debt. But good debt is leveraged debt that makes you money, a.k.a. investing, mm. which is what Robert Kiyosaki does, right? He's just constantly investing in more and more real estate. Right. So he's leveraged up the wazoo. He does not believe and he doesn't want – he tells him, he tells the audience, his audience, I am cash poor. I don't keep cash. Every dollar I get, I have to buy in my next property. And he wants to be in as much debt as he, as he possibly can. Um because one, we don't get taxed on debt. We get taxed on earned income, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so depending on where you're at, if you're a entrepreneur or a W-2 earner, meaning you just you have a job, mm-hmm. right? Two total different mindsets. So I just like people to understand, you guys are out there listening. If you're the person that's trading time for money, you've got a job and there's nothing wrong with that, then follow the, the Dave Ramsey, right? I'm going to be on his side on that one. Like, right. Zero debt. Don't do it. it. Debt is an anchor and a cancer. Right. Right. It'll keep you down. It'll keep you sick and you're never going to get ahead. Right. Or it's very difficult to. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, ah, different. Let's leverage. Right. We have to learn how to leverage time. Yeah. Money. Mm-hmm. Right. Once we once you can art, master that art and it's not easy to learn how to do that correctly. Right. But um I won't get too much deeper in that because I invest, right? And so yeah. I know how to leverage correctly. Right. Um, based on that, how old were you when you started taking investing seriously? You're like, you know what? I'm making good money or I have extra whatever. I need to put money to work. How old do you think you were when you did that? And 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 what was that first investment? 
I, uh, you, and when you say investment, you mean like Google, you put I'm, money to work. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. investing now and we invest in all, you can invest in all kinds of things, real estate, yeah. the stock market. Uh, you could buy gold, you could, you know, cars, you know, classic mm-hmm. cars, people invest in those things because they become worth more value. Art is investing, right? You can invest in art. There's a lot of different ways we can grow our money, but for you, how old were you when you, you just, it hit you like, you know what I have, I have money and I can't just let it sit in the bank. I got to put it to work. It probably in the, in the early thirties um, because it was more in the, in the nightclubbing real estate type of thing at that time. Was it because somebody introduced you, you know, Hey Tone, I got this great investment, man. And it's, it's a $10,000 buy-in example. And uh, we're going to get an ROI a return on our investment of, you know, 12%. Do you want to, you want part of this action? Actually? Yeah. His name was Jimmy Gearzik. That in, to introduce you to something like that. Yeah, his name was Jimmy Gearzik. He was, uh, was he had a company called Gearzik Development, Gearzik Construction, and uh, and he was into buying uh, old night uh, nightclubs, okay, and refurbishing and, and 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 selling them off, and so that's that's how I got into the nightclub business, right? Uh-huh. And uh, but that he was the first, but he was he was the investment factor for him was obviously real estate, you know, purchasing of property. So how was that experience for you? Were you, was it, yeah, no problem. Or were you like really nervous and scared to do it? Nervous and scared to do it for me because, uh, cause you work hard for your money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, in nightclubs, you know, the, the in Chicago, uh, from a standpoint of a person, a person purchasing them, um, they only lasted two to three years, and then there was a turnover. Yeah, they're so, fat. So they're yeah. fat. So, so, so to get into that, you had to be aggressive and find the the proper person to purchase the. And, you know, it had to move, right? Or you would be stuck, right? Yeah. So, from there, I mean, that's a specifics. You knew somebody put some money to work. Whatever you made, not important. Did you make money though? I did. It, it except toward the end. Because, you know, I think I got in in the beginning. You know, I was one of those guys that got in and should have got out. Oh. And it stayed. And then it, 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 it wasn't as popular. Okay. So we had to sit on things longer than necessary, that type of thing. Did you open any type of traditional retirement accounts? IRAs? Mutual funds? Not at that time, no. Have you since then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What made you open those? Who, who taught you about those? Or, so, did, you, or did you get... Proactive, you just like proactive. Yeah, yeah proactive, yeah. and said I'm going to open those accounts mm-hmm. because uh, you tell me I, it doesn't sound like you had the traditional job throughout your career. Yeah, I've always, I've always or like you got a 401k and yeah, all of that. Yeah, I, 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 every, everything that I did it was kill what you eat. Uh, kill, you know, eat, eat, eat what eat you what kill. kill. Eat yeah. what you kill. Yeah. Okay. Which you know what? I and again, it, it's an entrepreneurial path, which is my path, right? I haven't had a boss in 35 years or whatever. It's not for everyone. Right. Because it is a roller coaster ride. Being an entrepreneur is a total roller coaster ride. Yes. Um, you need a lot of self discipline, right? You need to really have your goals figured out and how yes. to achieve them, right? Yes. You need to map those things out. Yeah. Uh, to do that. You know, people that are very uh want to be play it safe, so to speak, mm-hmm. go the route of a J O B. Right. I don't even like to say the word. I just always J O B. Just because I personally don't believe in them, um, you're stuck. Yeah. You're stuck. I don't, I don't want a ceiling on what I can make. Exactly. I told me, I, I told myself that when I was 22 or three years old, I'm like, yeah, yeah no, you, you're, you're not dictating how much I make. I dictate how much I make. Yeah. And, yeah. and all the endeavors that I've done over time. But, yeah. um, well, I, I tell you what, it's been an interesting story, a path of not like most, right. You know what I mean? We all know music industry is pretty, pretty tough. 
Tough industry, bro. Tough industry, right? Yeah. Um, rewarding. I'm sure you had a, your memory's got to be amazing. I, 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 my book would be telling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the experiences, mm-hmm. right? So, um, would you say that entrepreneurs probably have, how do I want to phrase this? Um, can our experiences be a lot more enlightening than someone's experiences that just clocks in and out? I think so. I think, I, I think we have them beat. We're, we're experiencing life at a different level, a different level. And, 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 and we've embraced it. And so our story is very telling. I mean, the, I mean, I've, I've, my, I watched my mom and my dad, um, get up and do the nine to five. Although uh, my mom, more so than my dad was on the more higher end of the spectrum in the job world. She was in the, in the dental field. And, uh, but still it was a nine to five. How, how was your parents when you were going through your whole journey and staying in the industry and not buckling down and getting, you know, like, Hey tone, when are you going to get an actual oh, you, job? You, you already know what it is. Yeah. I, that, that what you just said and how you said it and with the fist on the table, yeah. it, it's exact, it, it brought back memories. Yeah. You know, and, and here's the thing. Um, they were loving it when the successes were great for them. And I'm not, and I'm not saying they, they were being selfish in that matter. I'm just talking about, they can see their, their son excelling in it, but then, you know, uh, the other side is when he's not excelling in it or when, when the gigs weren't so popular or the commercials weren't coming in as quick or whatever the situations were, then, you know, you, you're going to see that side because they're, they're our parents and they're supposed to be advocates for us. Right. For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, dude, it's been really awesome. And I think the big takeaway here is if, if we're going to go down the route of you're going to be an entrepreneur, Tony had himself a really, I, I, I can't imagine you have any regrets really. No. Right. Um, and, and I don't want anybody to have regrets. Enjoy your life. If you do the right things with money, you can have a job. And if you do the right things with money, enjoy yourself and not ever get in a predicament of the statistic that's out there today. 64% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck because it's a horrible feeling. I don't want anybody to experience it. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Right. I want yeah. to bring people out like you come out, tell your story. I'm sure you've inspired some people out there today. And remember, guys, if you're on YouTube, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, for you guys on the podcast and uh, uh, platforms out there, do the same. Follow me. I got a lot more uh, people coming out and we'll get you guys on the next one. My man. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things that did wrong with it, and uh, how, how did they really come about getting their mindset with money. So uh, every episode's different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor, hit the like button, smash the like button, and subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>